yawning. Are you tired of me already? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I haven't even started talking yet. Barely. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're discussing chapter 41, The Scribe, the last chapter of Assassin's Quest. Yeah, we're done. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so this, I guess, I, I can't, I don't think you can call it an epigraph because it's just Fitz writing this. Well, it's done in the same style as all the other epigraphs. True. So True. I guess it technically is an epigraph. It's just the most direct from epigraph into mm-hmm. content of the chapter. True. And it's speaking on the cycle of war between the Out Islanders and Six Touchies. It starts out with how forging was not an invention of the Red Ships, and we had taught it to them from King Wisdom's days. We've talked about this in the past few episodes as well, where that is the rage and the reason that, at least the foremost stated reason to go to war with the Six Duchies was to get revenge on them and to do what the Six Duchies had done to their people, to the Six Duchies people. Right. And the way they figured it out was by having scholars of their own study and research what had happened and what the correlation was with the people losing their memories and becoming horrible to their own family members. It's really interesting because there is a comment in there that even though the Six Duchies people view Out Islanders as barbaric and barbarians, they do still have scholars of their own that study. And that made me giggle because... As we all know, Bingtown sees the Six Duchies as barbaric because they don't have glass in their windows. Right. And so it's like Which funny. Which I think we also proved is not a real thing as well because <laughs> they do have glass. Some places have glass. I think it's just more widespread um, in Bingtown or something. I don't know. But either way, I just thought it was really funny to see the parallels of like, when you have it a little bit better off than a different society or what you deem to be better traits, you see everyone else as barbaric and yet they still can be smart. Mm-hmm. It also mentions here that Fitz suspects that copies of the skill scrolls that were solicities made their way into the hands of out Islander traders who had the coin for him. And this is because it's written before Tawny Man trilogy. It's before we get to the actual island as of as love and see that they do have stockpiled a lot of scrolls and some originals as well right so obviously they were sold off during this war it does specifically say that the theory is that that they they would have had to be sold off before the mm-hmm. red ship raids started yeah which is really interesting and something i don't think i've really thought about before timeline wise because what would be the motivation to selling the scrolls in the first place. Like, what? why would Galen or Queen Desire or Regal need the money? If that, like, 
I assume that's what it was for. I mean, working out a long-term plan for revenge. I guess. Obviously, they were kind of partnered up with the Odd Island Raiders. In some capacity, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, at least. I guess, like, I've always been under the assumption of they knew the plan was to forge people of the six duchies and they're okay with that. I just never thought a little bit harder about it of like, did they know that forging was a capability before they sold the scrolls? Like, did they come, do you think the pale woman came to them with the idea of here, we have a way to get revenge on your father I guess she probably wouldn't have showed up. It would have been Kebel Rawbread because I can't imagine that they would have took him kindly to a pale woman. I don't know. She'd be too different. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. I just made me wonder about the original reason to sell the scrolls. And then, yeah. I mean, it get, it makes more sense as the time goes on. It just, I don't know. What made them think, yeah, let's do it. More power in some way, con- making connections with the supposed farseer enemies, you know? Right. Any sort of backhanded things you can imagine. <laughs> I suppose. Well, either way, they did get the scrolls, and Fitz seems to think that they pr- might not have been able to figure out what to do without the scrolls. But they did find out, and with the melting of the glaciers, they found some stones of their own, as well as a sleeping black stone dragon. And I wanted to ask, do you think this is an actual dragon of ice fire? Because I believe he's described black, right? He is, yeah. No, this is on that island, though. When they pull up, there's, on the shores of the island, there is... Uh, multiple blocks put together and started to be carved as they describe it. And then he goes in and there is the actual stone dragon that they're working on. So I'm assuming it's that first described one that's on the shores of the island. Hmm. I guess the way I read it made it seem like it's finished. Well, obviously it wasn't finished, finished, but yeah. (laughs) Why do you say obviously it could have been finished? And risen up as a skilled dragon? You think so? It could have rested there after being a skilled dragon. I don't know. I suppose it's possible, but I don't remember any descriptions of a finely detailed and non-weathered statue of a dragon. Right. Neither do I. That's why I was wondering if maybe it's actually ice fire they just thought it's a stone dragon no they knew about ice fire long before this because there's been stories of seeing right. him through the ice right and the ice is building around him not receding away from him mm-hmm. so i don't think it's ice fire at all okay so they pooled all their knowledge of the wise men with the context clues of their found skill stones plus the carved or partially carved or what have you kind of put them together and said oh hey this is how we can get revenge this is what happened and Fitz goes on to relate that only one white ship was driven ashore by the elderlings when they cleansed Buck remember in the previous chapter that two total were sunk 
Yes. So only one was like intact when they fully defeated it. And the dragons devoured all her crew down to the last man. In her hold were found only great blocks of shining black stone. Locked within them, I believe, were the stolen lives and feelings of the folk of the six duchies who had been forged. Their studies had led the out-islander scholars to believe that stones sufficiently imbued with life force could be fashioned into dragons to serve the out-islanders. It is chilling to think how close they came to discovering the complete truth of creating a dragon. It is true that they got kind of close, but it's also just slightly out of alignment enough that it's like this would never have really worked. Right. Because it was just solid black stones that they were feeding lives into and they were going to fashion afterwards. It's not willing. It's, you know, there, there's a lot of different inconsistencies with this. And eventually they do make it work with Illustor shoving Kevil Raw Bread into it, which is probably like sufficient skill as well. Right. Shoved into that dragon and makes it live. But these, uh, these blocks in the holdings or the holds of the white ships, I don't think would have ever worked out. Yeah, I think the whole deal with these skills, stone dragons, it seems like the purpose is that you have to be one. It's a one coterie, one minded thing. And I don't see how it would work if it's millions or thousands, hundreds of thousands of people unwillingly put in there, disjointed, not having the same goal in mind. I just, I don't know, I feel like there'd be too much fear in that dragon for it to work well yeah. if it did raise off the ground. There's no overall leader of that group. Right. To direct it once it is risen either, so. Yeah. And so Fitz, who's writing this, remarks upon the circles of violence here. The raiders came to our shores. King Wisdom went to the Elderlings, carved dragons drove them back and forged their people. Years later, the Red Ship Raiders figure out how to forge people, come back to our shores for revenge. King Verity goes, gets the Elderlings, drives people back from their shores, flies over their islands, and probably forges people. Mm -hmm. And that's where he kind of trails off, because that kind of hatred can fester, and he's just like, well, some things just don't need to be written down. Right. And we get old man Fitz. <laughs> right. Quote unquote old. Yeah, he's 30 years old in this. Yeah. Just keep that in mind while we go through. He is 30 years old. <laughs> uh, he sets his quill aside, rises up, and goes to the hearth to throw this scroll on the fire, as he normally does. Right. Uh, which is a thing that Fitz does for the rest of his life. Anytime he writes down, he tosses most of it into the fire. Yep, he does save some. He does give some to Chade or sends it along with Starling, I guess, who right. gives it to Chade. But it's kind of implicitly agreed upon that they don't <laughs> say his name. <laughs> yes, it is a pattern that he continues and I think very fits of him, but he just doesn't think it's good enough and there's too much personality in it. So he throws it away. He also talks here about how it's getting a little bit colder at whatever time period this is. So it's probably fall, early winter, and it's pulling at his scars, his shoulder scar, worst of all. And 
just how he's feeling really old now with all the how how bad he feels whenever it gets cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. He remarks upon stepping over Night Eyes to get to the hearth and how Night Eyes's muzzle is graying and his bones do not like this weather any more than mine do. You are getting fat. All you do anymore is lie by the hearth and bake your brains. Why don't you go hunting? He stretches and sighs. Go bother the boy instead of me. The fire needs more wood. <laughs> He's living a good life. Oh, yeah. As he deserves, honestly. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And before they can call the boy in, Hap, he comes in and it was probably brought in by the scent of the burning vellum of the scrolls and is frustrated with Fitz because good ink and scrolls are really expensive and doesn't he know that he could have just called Hap to get more wood which seems like Hap hasn't really understood the process of Fitz throwing things in the fire yet Um, but he is there and Fitz doesn't really respond to Hap which I think is really interesting that Hap is talking to Fitz but Fitz notably says I made no reply I thought the characterization of Hap in this scene was very odd. He seems like a 13, 14 year old and he's nine going on 10. Yeah, actually, like it just seems a little bit too verbose, worrying about price and cost of things, Um, just sighing and shaking your head. Oh, fits and walking out and doing the chores anyways. I don't know. Obviously, he's gone through trauma and he could be grown beyond like more advanced than his years. Sure. But he's still nine-year-old like it just seemed the characterization to me just seemed a little bit off right i guess i'm okay with it because this is like i (laughs) it's like olden times e and i feel (laughs) like back in the day before child labor laws (laughs) children probably weren't as like childlike at age nine as they are now um just based off the fact that they would have had to like work to survive so i don't know it is a little strange but i can write it off in my own reading of it mm-hmm. and fitz goes into reminiscing telling us the readers about how he got hap mishap and how starling brought him one day she visits maybe twice maybe thrice a year to stay with him you know rebukes him for his hermit ways and one day brought a boy yeah and just kind of announces it hey i brought you a boy (laughs) yes and this was two years ago according to fitz yes and fitz immediately upon seeing hap assumes that this is their child together and it takes a few indirect questions for starling to realize that's what fitz thinks and tells him my child no yours Maybe if you were in the area eight, almost eight years ago, you know. <laughs> when I read this, I actually remembered that we spoke incorrectly about yes. Hap before. We said he was from the Forge area. And I said, oh, I think that's also where Fitz put up his cabin. No, Fitz's cabin is by the Forge area, but Hap is from Flounder Cove. I don't exactly know where that is, but it is not by Forge. No. Or at least not directly by Forge. So... Little little correction there. Yes. And poor Hap was found eating rotten vegetables out of a garbage because his mother had died and his aunt did not want to take care of him. And his mother, or no, his sister. Um, oh, her sister. Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
his aunt. I I read that the first time around as his sister oh, wouldn't no. want to take care of him. <laughs> Which I'm like, eh, it's, I mean. <laughs> That's fair. No, it's his aunt. It's another adult. Yes. His mom named him Mishap. <laughs> right. And two, two different colored eyes. Yes. And it says that he was demon gotten because of the two different colored eyes. Because there's no mention of a father, it's also assumed that this is potentially a result of a raider's baby. We don't know that for sure. Possible. It's definitely possible. It would have been... Let me see. Fitz is 30 here. I I don't think so. Because Fitz is 30 here. And... Hap is almost 10. So let's say 10 and some change years ago, he was conceived. Right. At the end of Assassin's Quest, he's nine, Fitz is 19. That's 11 years difference. So it would have to be like literally the last village they left or something like that would be my guess that the right. Raiders left. So I, I feel like it's a high chance it's not Raiders, but it potentially could be still yeah i I don't know i interpreted the demon gotten quote as like he has two different colored eyes this is superstition right like folk kind of yeah no definitely could be that yeah that's how i interpreted it at first but uh I, i don't know the timeline almost matches up where it could be raider but i don't know yeah i guess i don't know it could also be a forged one's child we really don't know anything about his dad right yeah it's that's, not mentioned yeah, it so uh, yeah that so that's just me making guesses and theories however he is alone and even though he's named mishap i assume his mom took care of him for the eight years i mean yeah he's still alive even i guess just because someone is alive doesn't mean that they were taken care of well fitz can attest to that <laughs> but yeah definitely sad that Obviously, Hap has come from a situation that was not so great. And to lighten the mood, Starling does say that it does sound like it could be his child because it is a demon gotten bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that does fit Fitz's MO. <laughs> <laughs> but Hap seems to be a good fit for Fitz. Yeah. Yeah, he says that he's good with a bow. Night Eyes approves of him. Hunts well for the old wolf. And that Fitz calls him boy as often as not, and Hap doesn't seem to mind. Right. And it kind of moves on to Starling's visits overall. And that when she comes, she brings news, some that he doesn't care to hear, some that he does like to hear. And he gives us a recap of the people that we know from the story. Lady Patience is ruling at Tradeford. She's turned the king's circle into a garden. And the inner duchies are making more paper or as much paper as rope. Yes, out of hemp. Yep. Birk and Molly and their children are well. They have nettle and little chivalry and another on the way. Molly tends her hives and candle shop while Burrick has used stud fees from Ruddy and Ruddy's colt to begin to breed horses again. Starling knows these things, for it was she who tracked them down and saw to it that Ruddy and Sooty's colt were given over to him. 
Sooty, Sooty did not make it from the mountains, being too old to survive the journey. And both of them still believe that Fitz is dead. That was a task, if you remember, that he tasked the fool with. Yes. Like, hey, make sure Birik has these. So, obviously, Starling took care of that, which is nice to see. Yes. Ketrikin bore her son, Prince Dutiful. Starling told me he has his father's coloring, but looks as if he will be a tall, slender man, like Ketrikin's brother Rurisk, perhaps. Which I made note of because Fitz has chivalry's height, and Verity was not a tall man. Yes. Yeah. I, I do also wonder if... This is because Fitz is part mountain. Yeah, I would uh, mountain so. bred. I don't yeah. <laughs> mountain born. I don't know that those traits would be extra secure in someone from mountain two mountain lineage people coming together. Part Cheerden, I guess. Yes, would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess chivalry was also tall, like you said. So mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting to see that they're. It's something that people are accepting. There's no question. There's not mm-hmm. any theories swirling about who the real father is. So that's good to hear. And King Aod made his way all the way from the Mountain Kingdom to see him in Buck, which is, I think, the first time that King Aod made his way down there. Yeah, I don't know if he's gone before. At least not in the books. Right. Maybe when he was younger. Yeah, For but treaty were... purposes. Yeah, I, I feel like... Before chivalry, though, weren't they always at war or like some sort of There were like skirmishes, yeah. Yeah. But they could still have, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if you would want your sacrifice. I mean, it's the MO of the sacrifice to go there for treaty things. But like, I don't know if they would have had their leader do that. Yeah, I don't know. Chade no longer lives in the shadows, but is the honored advisor to the queen. According to Starling, he is a foppish old man who is entirely too fond of the company of young women, but she smiles as she says it. Yeah, well, this is kind of around the time that he would have his kids, right? I think when we find, when Shine comes into the picture, she's like in her 20s. I don't know that for a fact, Mm. I guess. I feel like Lant is like 17 or something. Right. And Shine is definitely older than Lant. But not by very much, I no. don't think. And I think it's one of them is with Laurel, the hunt, the huntress. Right. So that would be in, you know, in five years, quote unquote, during the Tawny Man trilogy or shortly after Tawny Man trilogy. Okay. So I think there's still seven, five, seven years or so to go before Chade's uh, kids are born. Okay. Is Fitz 60 in the final trilogy? Okay. I thought he was 50. That's why I was like, this would be around the time. No, no, he's 60. Yeah. If he was 50, yeah, that makes sense. No, he's, he's 60. Interesting. But either way, Chade is living his best life. Mm hmm. Right back to his old ways, because we know when he, before the accident, he was also a little courtesan. Yes, a little courtesan. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting way to put that. (laughs) I guess that's usually how you describe females, right? But no, I think men can be courtesans. Yeah, but courtesans are usually paid for companions. Oh, I guess. He's not really paid for, is he? No. But he does seem to like sleeping around a lot. Would be... Would it be a rake? 
Oh yeah, he's maybe. Rakish. I don't know, but also I feel like when he was younger, because he did get trained to be an assassin young, I wonder if he like got into people's pants to get information. So he would be paid in information. I mean, I think he also, I mean, the way he described it, he also liked his lifestyle. Yes, before that's his true. Accident, so. He was very attractive, apparently, when he was young. Yeah. <laughs> and people still find him attractive, so. And charming. Yes. Fitz is sure that Chade knows where he is, but he, meaning Chade, has never sought Fitz out. It is as well. Sometimes when Starling comes, she brings me curious old scrolls and seeds and roots for strange herbs. At other times, she brings me fine paper and clear vellum. I do not need to ask the source. Which is pretty clear that, uh, to Fitz at least, that Chade knows where he is and right. is using Starling to relay these things. And then he returns some gifts once in a while as well. Right. I. This is what's weird to me is that he says that Chade never sought me out and then immediately follows it by what seems like Chade seeking Fitz out by sending him stuff to translate. I don't know. It felt weird to me. And we also know, I guess it could be colored by the fact that we know that that was Chade reaching out. I think in, I don't know if it's the final trilo- Fitz trilogy or the next Fitz trilogy where Chade says, I... Was hoping for like a response or something. Yeah, like I was sending you that and you kept responding. And like, I thought that meant that you didn't actually want to be away from the this life. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. I feel like there's a conversation where something about Chade is very hurt by. Of course, Chade and Fitz conversations later are very rough (laughs) around the edges. Yeah. Chade goes under the assumption that Fitz understands his type of love and Fitz absolutely does not. (laughs) Yeah. Fitz doesn't understand any type of love really. No, sadly. (laughs) One time he is sent a map of the six duchies that Verity had started. A lot of it wasn't filled out and Fitz was kind of remarking on all of the places he had been that he could fill it out with, but just hangs it on the wall as it is and probably will never change it. Yeah. Which I think is really cute. It does make me a little sad because I think next Fitz trilogy, the Tawny Man trilogy, I should call it, uh, the cabin gets burnt down. So I don't know. I don't think it's ever burnt down. It is tossed for any scrolls and information, though. Oh. So I remember him going through and like, oh, maybe it's burnt. Yeah, I thought they burned it to make sure nobody could find anything Um, important. I'm trying to remember if it's fully burnt down or if it's just like his scroll room or something or like his office. Right. I don't remember now. I don't either. Someone out there, someone out there might (laughs) let us know if the map survives that. (laughs) I don't think they ever mentioned the map again. I feel like he does. Now that you mentioned like it like goes burnt (laughs) and I remember him going back to the cabin. I don't know. I could be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? And he remarks on uh, the news that Starling brought about the fool as well. Yes. Fool comes back to Buckkeep Castle briefly. Grawlon Dragon leaves him there, and he wept as she rose without him. He was immediately acclaimed as a hero and a great warrior. I am sure that is why he fled. He accepted neither title nor land from Regal. No one is quite sure where the fool went or what became of him after that. Starling believes he returned to his homeland. Perhaps. 
Perhaps somewhere there is a toy maker who makes puppets that are a delight and a marvel. I hope he wears an earring of silver and blue. The fingerprints on he left on my wrist have faded to a dusky gray. I think I will always miss him. And this is the start of the fool going to be Amber. Yeah. On his next next journey and task as the prophet. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I don't know if Fool knows that that's where he's going at this point in time. I mean, now it's been like 10 years from when that happened. So maybe at this point he does. Yeah, but I would assume so. But when he left Buckkeep, I don't know if he knew that he was going to find the next catalyst or if he just started traveling and figured it out along the way. Yeah. But either way, it is nice to hear that the fool is okay, as far as we know. And I like that Fitz has imagined a nice little (laughs) happy future for him. Although he's not far off because Amber does make wonderful wood creations. So I don't know. I would love to know what fool does between the end of the mountain or the end of girl and dragon leaving him. And when we see him next as Amber, I'm just so curious, like how did she get all of the stuff that she's selling in her oddity shop? You know, (laughs) (laughs) well, I don't know. Or the funds. I don't know. I just, there's so many questions I have about Amber. Does she, I don't think she has an oddity shop. It's on the same street, the Rainwild Street, has all the oddities, but doesn't she only deal with the beads? No, she has, like, I think she has a full wood shop. Like, it's all woodwork. Like, bowls and tables That makes sense, but yeah, I guess I didn't kind of lump those into oddities at all. Because it makes sense that, you know, Beloved would be carving. Right. Because that's what they love to do, but... Well, I feel like... I'm pretty sure I have a memory of Althea describing it as though the wood was like naturally made that way, like or something like I think there's like the carvings are really realistic or something. I think it's just a a way to hint to the reader that this is right. Skill (laughs) rot. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like. I don't Well, we'll wait. I don't know. It just feels weird that it would just be plain tables and chairs, especially knowing what Fool does when in Tawny Man trilogy to Fitz's table whenever he comes back where he like puts grapevines and makes it look mm-hmm. whimsical. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, Fool is gone and Fitz mits- misses him, which is a lot deeper of a response than we got about Molly. But... Perhaps that's because Molly and Burek's memories have been put into Girl on Dragon. The pain, yeah. So he can't really think too hard about missing them. Yeah, for sure. And so Fitz goes into a description and explanation of where he's been. Yeah. And what has happened to him after the events of the last chapter. I was six years in finding my way back to Buck. One we spent in the mountains, so that takes him immediately right after the ending. And one was spent with Black Rolf. Night Eyes and I learned much of our own kind in our seasons there, but discovered we like our own company best. He moves on after his 
after Holly's effort at matchmaking didn't pan out. <laughs> and he has he says that they've been north to the near islands where the wolves are as white as the bears. They've been south to Chalced and even beyond Bingtown. We have walked up the banks of the river of the Rain River and ridden a raft back down. We have discovered that Night Eyes does not like traveling by ship, and I do not like lands that have no winters. We have walked beyond the edges of Verity's maps. He says he thought he had never returned back to Buck, but then all of a sudden they were there and they stayed. The cottage they claimed wasn't far from Forge and that people had abandoned Forge for now, but there's rich mines there. So eventually he's assuming people are going to be moving back, but right. not yet. Too many bad memories there. When Starling comes, she chides me and tells me I'm a young man yet. What, she demands of me, became of all my insistence that one day I would have a life of my own. I tell her I have found it. Here in my cottage, with my writing and my wolf and my boy. Sometimes when she beds with me and I lie awake afterward listening to her slow breathing, I think I will rise on the morrow and find some new meaning to my life. But most mornings, when I awake aching and stiff... I think I am not a young man at all. I am an old man trapped in a young man's scarred body. So they've been in a lot of places. They've, yeah. They spent the year in the mountains. They went to Black Rolfs for a year. They went all the way up north and all the way down south. Yeah. <laughs> and back again. It's definitely interesting to see the progression and what has been happening in Fitz's life. I also think that it is a little bit of a cop out for him to say that he's found that life of his own that he always wanted because I don't really think he is living. And I know that Fitz like has always had a simplistic view of what he would do outside of being an assassin. But that view was like to become a farmer, not to sit in a cabin alone all of the time. And I don't know. I guess who he becomes when he marries Molly and like in between the Tawny Man trilogy and the final trilogy, I think that's more of finding a life of his own and yeah. living. This feels like purgatory. This, this isn't anything. <laughs> yeah. It's an in-between state of living and not living. And I think a lot of that is because of those feelings that he locked away, that he right. can't heal from, he can't move on, he can't find a life of his own because he's trapped in that past. Right. And also, I'm sure that life isn't as fulfilling when you have yeah. locked away some of your feelings. And he's not making new memories to make up for it either. He's just alone. And I guess Hap is there, and that's great, but... I don't know. He did I don't make a lot of new memories for like. I guess he traveled <laughs> years of traveling that he did. But he specifically, I guess not here, but I think later specifically says that they avoided people. Like, yeah, I think they mostly did. So he's not really like making more human connections. No, no. <laughs> which is needed, I think. <laughs> he also talks about the skill, and this is also why the purgatory kind of fits in well because there is a torment to it. Yes. It feels like he is just waiting there, and, and he says that, you know, sometimes that addiction, that temptation just reaches forth, and he's tempted to reach forth as Verity once did. 
and sometimes he does. The torment of it, as Verity once told me, is that no one ever reaches back. Once, when the skill hunger was on me to the point of madness, I even reached for Verity as dragon, imploring him to hear me and answer. He did not. Regal's coteries long ago disbanded for lack of the skill master to teach them. Even on the nights when I skill out in despair as lonely as a wolf's howling, begging anyone, anyone to respond, I feel nothing, not even an echo. Then I sit by my window and look out through the mists past the tip of Antler Island. I grip my hands to keep them from trembling and I refuse to plunge myself whole into the skill river that is waiting always waiting to sweep me away. It would be so easy. Sometimes all that holds me back is the touch of a wolf's mind against mine. My boy has learned what that looks means. He describes that Hap prepares him some elf bark tea with ginger to cut the bitterness and some carry me leaves to help him sleep and to just get him good paper so he can write and then he'll clean up in the morning because he'll fall asleep in his writings. Yeah. It, it's kind of really sad to see what this skill addiction is doing to Fitz. Mm -hmm. Again, I think if he were with people, it would be a little bit easier to fight the addiction, but he isn't, so, <laughs> so he's doing the best he can. And... I think it's really interesting that he says that he calls out when he feels lonely and he doesn't ever hear an answer, not even an echo. And I wonder if this calling out, this loneliness, is what calls Nettle to him later. I think what so. helps her find him. I think it's it's been happening, first of all, like I'm sure during this whole thing. He's 30 now. Right. And Nettle was born... And would be nine right now or so. Yeah, something like that. Maybe, maybe 10, 11. No, she would be like 11. Yeah, because she was, she was yeah. a baby in yeah. the, when he was in the mountains. She'd be like 11, dutiful would be like 10 or something. Right. Uh, and so it's been happening since they were like three or four. It's some of their first memories. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think so. I think him reaching out, looking for that connection, and them finding each other in dreams was just kind of natural. That familial connection. Yeah. The book ends with Fitz saying that Night Eyes is sprawled at his feet in the morning after these intense bouts with skill, and they dream of carving their own dragon. And that's how... It ends. Yeah. <laughs> <the> series. <laughs> Dual ending. I wonder if she knew then that she would continue and it would end with them carving their own. I feel like yes. I mean, I don't possibly. I don't think all the details were there, but I think I I'm not sure. She's had some quotes about talking about the reception of Tawny Man and you know that's when she like read fan fiction and was like really mad about things and in a bad headspace because of fans and, and things like that and she wasn't sure that she mm -hmm. was going to write that last trilogy 
So I, I don't know if she knew she was going to end it with that or if she had planned. She seems to me not a full out, let's plan this. And, you know, these are the stories I'm going to tell. It's like, I have stories to tell and they came to me just now. Right. And it'll be a continuation of this story. <laughs> That's fair. I guess to me, it feels like it was always an option and like something that she thought was the natural progression of what would happen in this person. This Yeah character's lifetime just by ending this trilogy that way i don't know if she knew she would do any more after she got finished with this trilogy but i think it's fair to say that she didn't plan it ahead of time but also could have in this moment in writing imagined like okay 40 years in the future what does fitz do like i don't know yeah not that it has to be set in stone but I'm <laughs> nice. Oh, so that ends Assassin's Quest. That ends the Farseer trilogy. Yeah. Oof. I can't believe it's over. I know. Over two years. Two years and let me count on Some my fingers change. real quick. <laughs> three months? Two years and three months almost. Maybe One. not quite a full three months. I don't even remember when we started, like what month we started in. So February was our our trailer release, I think, like end of February. So it was like early March. Sure. So two months and a couple weeks change. <laughs> well, thank you so much for tuning in to the whole trilogy. Thank you so yeah. much for listening along with us, sharing your thoughts and listening to our thoughts on this. <laughs> and seemingly caring about our thoughts on this. So thank you very much for tuning in. If you would like to reach out to us and let us know how we're doing, how you are doing, or how you feel about this trilogy or what you're looking forward to next in the Live Ship Traders trilogy that we're starting, please let us know at isfitshappy at gmail.com or message us directly on any of our social medias. It's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're at isfitshappy for all of those. As I mentioned, we are starting the Live Ship Traders next. We're going to be taking a couple week break here before our next episode releases. So we need some time off. I'm sure you guys need some time off or some of you will probably not want any time off, but we need some time off (laughs) for sure. We're also moving to a different country, so (laughs) it's perfect timing. (laughs) Yeah. So lots to do. Yes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope to see you in a few weeks' time. (laughs) Okay, so we finished the chapter and also the series. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we get into some of the questions that we got uh, from the book as a whole and also the series as a whole, like our normal end of the end of the book discussion. Um, we're going to start with a couple questions we got about some chapters that we went through. First, we have a question from Ellen asking us how Verity knows where the Skill River is. And how he knew it would help him in carving his dragons and talking just about basically about like why Verity found it, what, why he did what he did, and how right. he would have figured out that would have helped. Yeah. Which I feel like 
we kind of covered in bits and pieces some of this question at least but my overall thoughts kind of condensed and and collected here is that skilling a lot gives you insights into things that you know you need to do and he was skilling for years straight to in the skill uh sitting in kelsinger himself or this yeah, Kelsingra it would be, because he was there before he got to the Stone Garden. Right. In Kelsingra, Verity could have found some knowledge about this, about, you know, or seen some memories or something about right. using the skill to do this, or a memory about, you know, putting someone into stone or preserving them some way, something like that. Three, going to the Stone Garden he would have seen that it was all of, you know, dragons there, like, and seemingly statues. Mm -hmm. So maybe gets a hint about carving stuff, goes to the quarry, sees this black stone with silver streaks through it, and can kind of put it all together, especially with studying a girl and a dragon, like we said, and maybe getting that story the same way that Fitz did by touching girl and a dragon of the origins of the coterie carving it it's suffusing with color starting to take off and then sinking back into the quarry right uh i'm not really sure how verity found the skill river yeah that's the part i don't know yeah i don't know but i'm under the impression that the reason why he decided to leave his hands with it with the skill and use that as a tool is because he probably felt pretty weakened. He is pretty physically weak at this point, and we know that he is by himself because everyone else has left or died, and it would be really hard going through the skill road alone. And so I think he just knew that the amount of skill it takes to build one of these dragons is not something that he could do on his own and so my opinion is just that he thought if he physically had more skill on him that would grow his power which is correct but also probably why he initiated putting it on him just to get more strength to finish his task and it turned out to be the correct way to do it yeah um i don't know that other people did it that way i don't think this is like the normal way to do it. I'm of the opinion that it works. I just think that like normally people are just chiseling it as normal. I mean, when Fitz, when Fitz has the memory of girl on dragon being created, he doesn't make any mention of the hands of the people carving also be uh, being lived in skill. Like, they don't have silver hands that he's discussed, which could just be Fitz being a faulty narrator and not thinking that's an important point to say in this reading. Mm-hmm. Or it could be because they didn't and other people don't use that. It's just that normally there's a group and when you're by yourself or there's two of you, you need the extra strength of physical skill yeah. to help push you along. Quite possible, yeah. So I don't know. I'm not... I'm not totally convinced this is normal practice, and I'm also not totally convinced Verity knew for a fact this would help. Right. Um, But I do think it's pretty easy to see that the physical manifestation of skill would probably have some strengthening of power effect, and he was pretty weakened 
by starving and being alone. So I don't know. That's my thoughts. But I don't know how he found it. It's either luck or <laughs> or he found it through the listening to the skill city of where to go. Yeah, he could have projected himself into the skill, been floating around and kind of called to it just as Fitz was attracted to it as well. Yeah. So thanks for that question. And Ellen also sent in another question about our discussion on the inner duchies and how bad they are as a people and right. our discussions surrounding the forged ones and their humanity and the king's circle and things like that. Ellen points out that the forged ones in the king's circle would not have been inner duchies folk. So with their animosity and things like that towards the outer duchies, the coastal duchies, they can remove themselves from the tragedy a little bit more. Right. And, Therefore, they wouldn't have felt as bad about it. You know, it's not like our own fighting to the death and being crazy people. It's the crazy outer duchy people being crazy people. Right. So just a little bit more context, which I thought was poignant. Yeah, definitely. And a good reminder. Yeah. Something we missed. And it draws a question of, or I guess it's not a question, but draws a point that the Forge Ones probably would be going inland because they'd be attracted to skill use and Regal is surrounding himself with skill, skill users. Yeah. So they would be mm-hmm. in the inner duchies to be captured for the King's Circle. Yeah. They wouldn't really have to like go to the outer duchies to find them. And Fitz and Verity moved that way. True. As well. There's probably lots of skill coming from the mountains. <laughs> yeah. I think that wraps it up for all of the episode or chapter questions. Yeah. Yes. But we do have questions for the entire series and for us and some questions to ask you about the series and the future series and stuff like that. So without further ado, we'll get into a trilogy recap. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> First off, we have some questions from Facebook as well. And this is more of a thought exercise and things we've been talking about recently yeah and things that i've mentioned more so mainly about verity as the protagonist of the trilogy if it would be more like you know a typical fantasy series right um so the question is about where would that story begin what role would fitz have what would have been fast forwarded over what plot points would be in there What's kind of like the general overarching? I mean, we could spend a lot of time on this, but just kind of like some highlight points of what would be Verity's story arc over this time? Would it even be a trilogy? I feel like this story would start kind of similar to the same starting point as Fitz, except I don't think it would start with him meeting Fitz. Maybe it would because that's the start of the downfall of chivalry, but I think chivalry abdicating the throne would be the center opening plot yeah, point. Me too. I agree with that. Um, I think it could be a trilogy, although maybe it only need to be two books, but I think overall it would start with Verity's newfound purpose of being king and waiting and trying to figure out what to do next, having to deal with his brother, having an illegitimate son that he's being asked to look over. I think Fitz would have a pretty minor role overall. Maybe it would gradually grow larger, but more like in my mind, like a 
perseverance is in the last trilogy. Mm. Maybe a chapter or two, like, yeah. kind of surrounding him as a focal point, but mostly just a side character and yeah. not really in there. Yeah, or maybe I like see. Cook Sarah, you know, yeah, always pops yeah. up and has like some sort of thing going on. But I guess I see him more as like the fool's role in this trilogy where like important things happen. There are big scenes that mm-hmm. happen with Fitz. But overall, like we could go chapters without hearing anything about him. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think there would be a lot more fighting with Shrewd. I think we'd see a different side to Shrewd that we don't really get to see from Fitz's perspective because now it's the father role and also a father who doesn't seem to really think his son can do this. It would be a lot more political and a lot more outward conflict. A lot of the books for this trilogy is inner conflict with Fitz and like monologuing yeah because he's such a silent person I feel like centered around Verity would be a lot of yeah there would be some of that of course it's Robin Hobb writing it in Mm -hmm. this thought exercise yeah but a lot of it would I think you're right be discussed with Shrewd or with Chade or with his brother over the skill you know I think in the beginning the first book Fitz is glossed over and skimmed over for like three, four years, and he kind of grows up quickly in chapters. Right. I think the first book would dive head into Verity's character. Yeah. And, and linger on those years that Fitz skipped over. skipped over. Right. Well, I definitely think that there would be more to do with Queen Desire. Oh, 100%. I think we'd be seeing more of that internal conflict of how Desire is trying to get real leg up and isn't necessarily as successful while she's alive and the aftermath of her death and Mm -hmm. chivalry's death. I think that's something that is too traumatic for Fitz. And so we skip over, but what would that look like from chivalry's point of view? I think that would be a really big turning point for him. Although I don't think he would, I don't know if he thinks that desire did it. I don't know if he has any suspicions. I mean, he knows that chivalry is a good writer, of horse so like for him to fall off and die is pretty sus but i don't know if he i I feel like verity would suspect because he keeps things close to his chest right i mean there's only one or two scenes where fitz who is skill linked with him realizes the depth of his hurt from regal's betrayal right? right so he's very careful and has been trained to be a prince of the right. throne. <laughs> he is. Yeah. I, I kind of see him always like, oh, yeah, he's the gruff soldier, honest kind of man. No, he was trained to be a potential king. Right. So he still has, you know, the diplomatic training and experience, not as much as chivalry, obviously, or regal, because that's not his forte, but he can play things close to his chest if he wants to. Yeah. I also think that there would be a surprising amount of. Verity being aware of what is going on with Fitz. Like, I think yeah, Shrewd probably counseled with <laughs> Verity a lot more than Fitz knows because Verity has a lot of regrets about how Fitz was ultimately treated and used. So does Shrewd in his final days. And I think that we would see this like calculating side of Verity that we don't really get of how a commander in an army uses some soldiers 
at the front line if it means they gain more footing. So I think that would be something that happens. There wouldn't be a lot of Beric. No. There would be probably more... I wouldn't say more Chade, but there would be different Chade discussions. Yeah. Probably less Chade, but more interesting discussions yeah. <laughs> with Chade. Yeah. Um, there... It would fast forward through a lot of the skilling uh, out to the red ships, I think. Maybe a mm-hmm. couple focused paragraphs on certain things, but like... I spent my whole summer doing this kind of, you know, description. Right. I, I, yeah. My, I killed 13 more times with my king that summer, the, <laughs> the one line, you know? Yeah. I, I think there would be a lot of that skimming over. There would be a lot of uh, maybe some detail about shipbuilding and things mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of like hints leading up to Ketrakin, but because of Robin Hobbs writing, it would be so distracted with like scaling out and right. doing this. It would just be those little subtle things. And all of a sudden to the readers, it would be like, oh, this came out of nowhere. Yeah, she's so cool. But like, well, I don't even think it would be she's so cool because it's if it's from Faraday's perspective. Right. She would definitely. It would be like, she's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this came out of nowhere. And I guess I have to like he has to marry her now. But yeah, there would be hints dropped along the way. So that would be there'd be a lot of different tonal shifts to different events that we see through Fitz's eyes. I think it would also be interesting to see the perspective of how Verity came to the idea of training Fitz. I think that would be a big deal. The like living with Fitz's mind. Yeah. Getting to see when he realizes Fitz is witted. The growing fondness. Yeah. Like that relationship building. And his eventual despair and like I this is the last shot as the elderlings. Like yeah. that's the last hope. Also kind of clinging to that. I think it would be really cool to read from his perspective when Fitz is trying to kill Regal when he's yeah. like in Tradeford, like what that looks like from Verity's perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like a lot of the third book would be fast forwarded to talking about like what would be skipped over because yeah. all of Fitz's journey from Tradeford to Right, but that could be replaced with Verity's own journey and like right. what he went through. So, I, I'm yeah. talking about from Trayford yes, to fair. the quarry. He's already at the quarry. Right. He's already scraping away, and I think a lot of that would be fast forwarded. Yeah, definitely. It'd be very, very different, but it'd be very interesting as well. Yeah. Different way. It's not going to happen. No, <laughs> unfortunately not. It would be a lot of fun, though. So thank you so much for that thought exercise, too. Yeah. Uh, one last thing from Facebook. Okay. And we'll move on to some other some other stuff. Thoughts on the future with how much of a time commitment this is. Our first trilogy took over two years. Just asking general thoughts on the time commitment and, and what it means. Because I mean, it's a lot. It is a lot. And... We do do this for free. This is our hobby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of time. Yeah. With full-time jobs. I, I yeah. estimated, I looked at the chapters for this next trilogy, Live Ship Trader Trilogy, and it's estimated at about 2.3 years to get through this if we don't skip any weeks or have two-parters right. or anything like that. So I'm guessing two and a half years right. would be a 
conservative, but probably pretty good estimate to get through this next trilogy. So quite a bit. Yeah. General thoughts on it. It's a lot. And it will continue to be a lot, but I'm still enjoying my time doing this. Yeah. So I don't I don't see myself stopping anytime soon unless like major life changes come <laughs> up and we like physically cannot do this right. anymore. In terms of time or, you know, commitment in general. Right. But um, yeah, I I looked over at my notes preparing for this this episode and my notes, meaning the first document we were putting together about what our podcast was going to be. <laughs> yeah. And I have uh, try not to make it over an hour and a half per episode because it drags <laughs> on too long. And while that could be definitely true for some listeners out there who are probably no longer listening because... <laughs> A lot of episodes have gone beyond that. I think it's something we might need to revisit and trim down some of the fat and things like that. Yeah. I don't know. Make it a little bit more economical. Maybe put out two episodes a week, but that's a lot of time commitment up front to record and edit. Right. So we have considerations, but I am enjoying my time and I, I really like going through the series this this closely. Yeah, I think overall this has been pretty fun. I get a little bit more stressed than Luke does, I think, with making sure that we're commenting back to people in a timely manner. I'm really bad about it. And it makes me feel really bad because people are you guys are taking time to reach out to us. And so I try to be good about it, but I'm just not very good at like being a timely response person in my normal life. So, <laughs> so I think that is a stressful thing that I'm going to have to like continue to work on going forward to make sure that doesn't like outweigh the pros of doing this. And I do love seeing everything from people. It's just, I do feel bad when I can't, I'm not as good about getting back to people. And I think that's been one of the most negative things about this. Um, and that's my own shortcoming. <laughs> something I guess that anybody else is doing. But yeah, I think you're right. As far as time commitment, it is a lot. But as long as our lives aren't too drastically changed, like, I don't know, I, I feel like it's still doable. And like oh, yeah. you said, we can definitely work on trimming things and making it a little more a bit more tidy. I think the real danger here is just that people get bored of waiting <laughs> for us to finish a book or True. a section. Yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, four years from now, we have no listeners because everybody's over it. But um, <laughs> I think as long as we continue to enjoy it more than we have qualms, that we'll probably continue to do this. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we have we put out a Instagram story. Yeah. That had some uh, questions on there. And people responded. So first off, is Fitz happy? No. <laughs> <laughs> this this does tie well, no, we'll we'll move on to that later. But yeah, is Fitz happy in general? Just yeah. is Fitz happy? I I don't know. I think Fitz spends most of his life unhappy. There are definitely yes. chunks overall where he is happy. Brief um, flashes. Yeah. And I mean, he has he's got a couple good decades in there when he lives his best life with Molly. 
and you know before the end of yeah. the trilogy readers can definitely have issues with that time in his life running away from things or right. not disclosing things but he is definitely happy during that time too yeah i think he's more happy in near the end um but overall i think fitz isn't happy i think this is one of the funny things we get a lot and a lot of people will always be like oh no the answer is no to your name right and um that's overall correct <laughs> that's kind of one of the reasons we made the name or chose the name is because yeah it's a little bit funny that to ask is Fitz happy because usually the answer is no but it's also kind of a dive into when is he happy you know yeah is him being content with something him being happy just a little bit more dive into his character which is what kind of sparked the the thought on the podcast as well which is kind of fun yeah no I definitely think overall I would say no but I think Fitz can be happy and he has moments. <laughs> I use I use the word content a lot. And I think that's pretty much the majority of what he feels at yeah. his peak is content, which is really sad to think about. But like you said, there are moments where he is genuinely happy and periods of his life where he is genuinely, genuinely happy. It's just mostly the most we get is content. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I think... Being happy 24-7 is an impossible ask, oh, 100%. right? Yeah, yeah. But, and content is actually, like, a pretty good thing to aim for. And it's pretty good considering the life that he has been handed. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think content in a way that, like, he doesn't think he deserves more than what he's at. And so the contentness is with something that isn't necessarily comfortable. It's just what he's used to. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, the next question we have on here is movie show, movie or show castings. Who would we cast for things? And we've kind of talked about this in, I think, some of the other recap ones. Yeah. But is there anything that's popped into your head over this book in particular that you're like, this person needs to play this character? You know, not really. <laughs> Same here. Like, I don't know. I, I keep trying to think, like, who would make a good Starling? And mm. I would feel bad casting anyone in that role because Starling isn't you, you really well like, liked. Yeah. <laughs> I like Starling for the most part. Right. I think she's a very interesting character. As a character, I really like her. I think she does a good job. As a person, she's okay. <laughs> I just would hate... I feel like Starling is not a fan favorite, and whoever steps into that role would have to deal with people not liking them. Right. And yeah. I would feel bad putting anyone I liked in that role. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I will have to answer this as, like, I have no idea... I will say we did talk about it before and might get better answers, but honestly, I just don't think like that usually. I don't know. I've, I've expressed my doubts about adaptions for this series before in the past. Right. I just don't think it would work with the time jumps and with how introspective and, you know, in Fitz's head it is. It right. could definitely work. Like, it, there could definitely be scenes that could be translated and everything. It's just so much that's weird. There's two different types of talking in somebody's head, and that's always right. kind of wonky. So, like, I don't think in terms of a show or a movie most times. 
That's fair. I feel like, to be fair, the next trilogy would be great for a show. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, do, I think so, too. I think it is perfect for what you would want to see. In a, there's a lot mm-hmm. of characters. There's adventure. You're on the sea. I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> that's more... E- that's easier to portray. Like, the talking ships is easier than showing wit or skill. Right. And I don't know. Yeah, so in terms of your question, I apologize. I don't really have any good castings, to be honest. It would be very interesting to see anybody else out there who has specific castings. I know on the Robin Hobb subreddit, there have been lots of fan castings for The Fool, for example. Yeah. A lot of names thrown about for uh, for him. Or for Amber, even. I think I've seen a couple like specific calling out the different yeah. facets of Beloved. I think I just had a thought that it would be really cool to see Kettle played by Dame Judy Dench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I could definitely see that, actually. I feel like she's like the perfect old woman. <laughs> I would so, see her or Dame Maggie Smith. I don't, I feel like Maggie Smith, this is like a she's weird She's a little thing. bit too wispy, maybe. Yes, that's what I was like, just going to say. Like, I don't want it to come off bad. I just like don't think. She doesn't have the like the actual presence on stage yeah as not that maggie smith is a isn't a good actress i just think it isn't a right fit for her yeah that's fair. personally that's fair i think you you kind of grasp the yeah judy dench would be great <laughs> <laughs> all right well the next question unfortunately is when are we starting tawny man and i kind of already answered this womp womp like three uh, years from now. <laughs> yeah, the person who has it, the person who has it, can't wait for it. They're very excited. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we are moving on chronologically, and publication order. Yes. So it is Life Ship Traders next. Ship of Magic. You're gonna have to wait two and a half years to see fits again. <laughs> Set a a reminder on your calendar now and just wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you really hate the trader, the trade. Trade ship? What? Live Live, ship trilogy. (laughs) So I'm going to interrupt the Instagram questions because that is a great segue into a couple questions that I wrote about this. Yeah. Since we won't be seeing Fitz for a very long time or Night Eyes for a very long time or any of those characters, what are the characters you'll be sad to see go for a while? Maybe forever. Maybe this is the last book they appear in. Um. Of course, I off the bat fits and night eyes night right. eyes more so than fits because it's, sometimes it's nice to have a break from fits same but night eyes is great i'll miss chade i'll miss ketrakin interesting interesting okay i will also miss night eyes the most <laughs> i am actually gonna miss regal because i feel like I, okay i Listen, he's a horrible person, but I feel like of the villains in the Hob universe, maybe one of the tamer ones. <laughs> he is, and I, I kind of wanted to point this out. I was formulating the thought as you were talking about yeah. it, actually. He is close to what you've called before mustache twirling villain. Yes. That we can disassociate a lot of, like terrible things that he has done of like oh this he's the villain because in the next series we have kyle and kenneth and kenneth you don't you know he's kind of bad but you don't find out how bad he is until like the second book right and like how depraved he can actually be and by that time 
Robin Hobb does a great job of developing some sort of sympathies for like how he's feeling or like right. something like that. And then Kyle is just like your everyday evil person. So it's even more it's uh, threatening yes. in the book series. Yeah, it just I think from here. So Regal is pretty tame. in the, Yeah, <laughs> in I think from here, all the villains are like worse and and that's hard to say because like what regal did to fits in the dungeons is horrible and what regal was willing to sacrifice to become king also really bad his morals in general are, are really bad but like on the whole he wasn't successful and he's not like a systematic problem that like there's not gonna be another regal right Right. At least for a while. This isn't like there's not one to pop up and take his place next because Regal's kind of unique in that way. And I there's think there's always another Kyle. Yeah. There's there's always Kenneth's out there. There's always Kyle's out there. There's always the pale woman out there. Like people who are in power and revel in taking advantage of others to get their way, which I guess you could which argue. Which does describe Regal. But yes. I, I feel like his story... One, it's young Regal all the way through, or young Fitz even, all the way right. through the end where he is completely subverted and Fitz like fully triumphs over him. Yes. And you see how of a, much of a spoiled child and ineffectual he actually is in his brain. Right. So like you, you get the full like cathartic, well, he's finished now. Yeah, there's no more. Whereas everyone else, it's like, okay, well... You didn't really solve the problem. So, like, so <laughs> this isn't going to change anything by getting rid of them. Right. You're going you're gonna to see, you're going to be sad to see him go. Yes. For that purpose. Because, also, because I do well, think yeah, he's a great character. Yeah, he's too, a great character. I, I feel like the other villains are better characters. Sure. Okay. But I agree with you that I am also not looking forward to reading them as much. <laughs> Because of what we just discussed. Right. Anyone else that is kind of off the wall that you're, you'll be sad to see go? You know, not really. <laughs> I guess I'm sad that we don't get to see any more of Kettle. I think she's a really interesting voice of reason for Fitz. I'll be sad Kettle. to see Lady Patience go for a while. Yeah, I'm excited to see Lady Patience again. She doesn't really get a bigger role than what we saw in this series, which is sad. And she she talks a lot more in the t the Tony Man trilogy, I believe. Really? At the end of it, yeah. Uh, when okay. he comes back, he calls her mother. Right. They live um, at the manor Withy for Woods. a little bit, and with the woods, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're right. But yeah, so I don't know. I I'll miss her, and I don't know. I. I feel like I'm kind of done with everybody at this point. I'm like over who, it. Okay. Who are you happy to see go then? I'm happy to see Will go. I didn't think he was a very good villain. Verity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like Verity, but I'm kind of happy he's gone. <laughs> he's a conflicting hero. Um, I think you're right. Will. I don't know. I kind of like Will and that he's like so slimy as a bad guy. Very, yeah. hench very good henchman. I I see it. I just don't think his character was that well done. Because and maybe that's just the perspective we get from Fitz, but he's just yeah. and he's described this way, but he's a blank slate. He's literally nothing but just an ominous presence right. to like avoid. And I just don't think it's 
I don't know. I'm just happy to see him go because it doesn't seem realistic. Yeah, that's And that's fair. obviously a lot from the trauma that Fitz experienced at Will's hands. Right. And he did pose a threat. I just didn't think he was... He didn't get any development, really, that's until, fair. like, the last page when he was dying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it yeah. was just like, oh, Will was a nobody. You could barely recognize who he was if you looked at his face. <laughs> oh, he's super good at the skill and then all of a sudden the last like book he's like oh he's stealing other people's skill strength that's scary better not run into him keep my walls tight and then all of a sudden oh he literally couldn't do anything he was a puppet he was like you know all this kind of stuff he's conflicted because he doesn't know why regal abandoned him because he's a lost puppy like yeah you know what though just nothing to the end if there was a movie of this i kind of want um i don't remember his first name scarsgard the guy who plays it oh to play will because I feel like that's the right amount of creepy to, like, really freak everybody out. That's, give the right vibe for, like, what Fitz feels. I feel like he has too unique of a face to do it, though. I feel like that's why it's perfect. <laughs> I guess artistic <laughs> I liberties he, Yeah, and like show. I don't know. I feel like he can have a very, like, normal-looking face, face. You know what I mean? Like, I think he can, like, blend in if he needed to. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I won't miss Will. I won't miss barrel guy or (laughs) we never see him again anyway but (laughs) still holding a grudge um i i don't really miss hands i don't think i'm ever gonna miss him i'm disappointed in him i understand why he's freaked out about seeing fits but like he was nice enough but i'm glad he's gone i don't know there's i i don't know I don't think I miss any of the coterie, to be honest. Like, I'm, they, they played their part. The rest yeah. of them did. I feel like Burl got way more character development. And so did, uh, oh, what's her name? Who was the the one woman who was in the coterie? Oh, I know who you're talking about, but I have no idea what her name is. Oh, we've talked about it multiple times. Just a brain fart. But anyways, yeah, she had more de- development than Will, to be honest, to me. Like, yeah. all of them did except for Will. So I... I'm not necessarily happy to see them go, but I'm like happy they won't be back. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. They they played their part. They did well. Good job, Mm -hmm. them. (laughs) See, that's how I feel about Verity. Like, I don't know. I have very conflicting feelings about him because of some of the choices he makes. And the way I think my problem is that Fitz sees him as such a like pure good person. And then, yeah. And then you can clearly read between the lines. And that's like from somebody who thinks he's a good guy. So, like, what aren't we seeing? And I don't know. That makes me really <laughs> suspicious of him. You I, always are thinking of, like, <laughs> oh, what's behind the scenes, yes. though. I'm. You know what? I will be sad to see Shrewd go, though. Yeah, I will be. Actually, yeah. I'm sad we'll never see him that. again. I do like Shrewd quite a bit. He grew on me this read, this, like, po- during this podcast. Oddly, I'm sad to see Wallace go in oh. some ways. <laughs> Because he's such a bumbling idiot uh, that thinks he's correct. Yeah. He's so annoying to read, but, like, at the same time, it's perfect. He makes me think of Filch. A little bit, yeah. 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 And I will say one one last thing. I am sad to see the fool go. We yes. never get the fool again. Not yeah. as he is in these books. No. Ugh. That's it. That is sad. You know what? That's a good one. Yeah. I think he comes out... Because of Fitz and Lord Golden's talks, maybe, 
about like who he is and different facets of him and things like that. And he like switches to the speech patterns for a little bit, but it's never the same. Yeah. And Beloved is definitely a different person. Yes. I think the closest we get to having the fool back is in the ship with Fitz on in the final trilogy. Maybe on the way. And even that is just bare glimpses. And that's because he can tell Fitz is upset about Amber and Lord Golden and like feeling like he doesn't know this person. And I think really the only time fool is strong is in the memory of Fitz comparing who fool is now to who he was. So, so I will be sad to see the fool go. Yeah. And I'm really (laughs) excited about Amber. She's the best. (laughs) All right. So we'll move back to some of the Instagram stuff here. The next question is, will we be able to record without crying? Um, the ending plus any of the other stuff. Um, I can't promise I will never cry again, but proud to say dry eyes over here. I'm so over this book. No, no, no. That's not fair. I love this series and I will talk about it till the day I die. But as for what we're doing, I'm like ready to get to the next series. So no tears here. I need a break from Fitz. <laughs> There's definitely been times where I have teared up. Not necessarily teared up, but like been overcome by emotion or like choked up or like thick voice kind of reading stuff out uh, on the podcast. More so alone when I'm rereading the chapters for like the first time again, then I'll get teared up. But talking about it, not so much. I'm more of like an analytical mind there. (laughs) I definitely cry a lot more. Yeah. Just in general. I cry reading the books. I cry talking about the books. I cry reading the books, too. Not as not as like heavily or anything, but yeah. I'm just an emotional emotional. person anyway. I take after my dad that way. So So, be able to record without crying. Yes, for me, for the most part. Yeah. Most part, yes, for you. (laughs) Occasionally. I think next book series will have me crying the most. Well, I don't think overall. I think the final, the final, final will really make me cry. But I, the next series is really sad (laughs) in a way that I don't think a lot of the other ones are. So I'm not looking forward to that, but yeah, good question. (laughs) And to wrap up this trilogy or the questions for this trilogy, is the ending of Assassin's Quest happy? The person who asked it and their friends are divided on whether it's happy or sad. (sighs) Why don't you go first? Because I think I don't have a very good answer. (laughs) My thoughts on this is that both you and your friends are correct no matter what you choose because it really depends on the perspective in terms of the overall story yes it's a happy ending the six duchies get saved there is a farseer on the throne Fitz gets his wish that nettle is not involved molly and biric are happy together in terms of Fitz himself no he is not happy and clearly he is not happy however it's I don't know, thinking as a person reading it from Fitz's perspective, I feel a triumph at the ending, just as Fitz kind of did, and yet it it leaves you feeling hollow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's similar to all of Robin Hobb's books, <laughs> at least all of her trilogies in this series in particular. They just kind of leave you feeling like emotionally drained and not on a woo that was great no it was more like 
it's more like Frodo at the end of the series where he's just like, it's over. It's yeah. done. You know, let's go back to the <laughs> let's go back to the Shire. I can't remember the taste of strawberries, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I see both sides to that. My personal thoughts is that I, as cliche as it is, it's bittersweet mm-hmm. in a way. Which is kind of a cop-out, because it's neither sad nor happy. I don't know. <laughs> How about you? I I don't think this is a happy ending. I think too many bad things have happened to Fitz, and not really any conclusion for Fitz as a character. Like... Yes, the six duchies was saved and he kind of cared about that. But ultimately, that's not really his responsibility, right? Like he's not in line for the throne and he isn't even acknowledged as a farseer. I mean, I guess partially as a farseer bastard. You're right. So but I mean, that wasn't really his responsibility to begin with. That was more Verity's thing. And sure, Molly found happiness, which is great. And I'm glad, but not with Fitz. And not in the life that Fitz had hoped for. And Nettle didn't go to the throne, but his other child did. And that's something that we never really get to dig into of Fitz's feelings. Because it is Verity's child, but right. his body made it. I Okay, so I have a question for you then. Okay. For analysis sake. Sure. Is... A book's tone, whether it any book, okay. dependent, uh, if it's, how do I phrase this? <laughs> Is a book reliant on being happy, sad, tragedy, comedy, what have you, based on our main characters' goals and aspirations and whether they accomplish them or not? I think Yes. Right. Like Hamlet's a tragedy because everyone dies at the end. And I feel like like, the Shakespeare tragedy and comedy thing, it's like comedies are if they didn't die. Tragedies are if they did, you know, like. Right. But I think like if you look at Shakespeare, those are usually classified based solely on what happens to our main characters. Right. And in other literature, I think usually a happy ending is when the main character especially in a reading like this where it's first person their goals have been met and they have done what they set out to do i mean i think the hunger games for example that's not really a happy ending even though katniss takes down the society that she had set out to take down because i think there's so much trauma left over um but that's like i don't know she herself is not happy near the end. I don't think, I don't know. I haven't like fully read those books. So I shouldn't like make judgments. I just know based (laughs) off movies and like some things I have read on the internet, but like, I don't know, I guess I personally classify it as were the needs of the main character met and like the goals. So is Lord of the Rings a happy series? I don't know. I guess because that is, they destroy the ring. They get to go home. They restore the Shire from the scouring all of the kingdoms of men are like, you know, allied again. Aragorn is crowned king. But there's such a melancholy to the ending. There is yeah. such a 
well, this phase of the world has ended and a lot of its history is leaving. Like, I, I don't know if I would call it a happy ending. Yeah. But they accomplished all their goals. That's fair. So I feel like it's, yes, partially what you said, but I feel like it's also up to the author to set a tone. And the epilogue of this, some of it is said in a happy way. Yeah, like that's fair. Yeah, all of these people are in great places. But again, it also talks about Fitz's own suffering and torment. So yes, I'm like, it's yeah. bittersweet. Yeah. If you look at it from Fitz, it's sad and a tragedy. Yeah. I don't know. So that's why I'm conflicted on it. I don't know. I, I agree with your thoughts on like, yeah, that's the person that we are emotionally invested in. Yeah. That is the the main person we as readers put all of our thoughts into is the main character, right? Mm -hmm. We are invested in them achieving what they want because presumably, and in most books, not all, we like them. Right. <laughs> there are anti-heroes, there are, you know, villain point of view perspectives, but the in general, to make a for an author to make a reader want to keep reading, their main character has to be somewhat likable or sympathetic. Right. So you get attached to their motives. And if they accomplish those, that's great, right? Sometimes. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm conflicted. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like if we look at what Fitz is left with, it's not really a happy ending. And like, yeah, everybody else gets a happy ending. Like there are definitely happy endings happening They're right. Like the state of the world is better off based off what happened in this series. Yeah. The but, fool has an extremely happy ending, I'm sure. Yeah. But he also probably feels sorrow for his friend Fitz or longing for Fitz or whatever. Well, you know? even just like sadness that the girl on dragon left without him yeah. and that he had like doesn't have direction anymore. What does he do next? I feel like that's not the best ending. Right. Like, but his, his motives, his goals right. all came true and, yeah. and were realized. So it's, I don't know. Like it is really hard. I think, I think it is. I don't know. I, I just want to say that it's not happy based solely on this suffering that fits still continuously has to live fair. with. That's fair. Um, but like you said, I think there's arguments for both sides, and I'm, mm -hmm. I would not yuck someone's yum for thinking this is a happy ending. So thanks for that question there. Yeah, it's, it's a fun one to think about. I will skip the last question. Or no, there's one more actually. Oh man, I skipped this one before. I said let, let's finish up with this series <laughs> questions. Uh, one person chimed in, not necessarily with a question, but said that they wished that Fitz recognized the woman in the market as his mother. Yes. That would have changed so much. And it's hard to imagine like what would have changed with it, but like it would have changed a lot, like a lot, I think. Interesting. Okay. I don't know how much it could have changed. I don't really? think I... Fitz would have been allowed to go with her or to like, no, but even just knowing that she you know, seemingly wanted him still or anything like that. Right. Would have changed his emotional makeup a lot, I think. Hopefully, yeah. And I feel like the end of this trilogy then would be different and he wouldn't have put so much pain into Girl on a Dragon. That's fair. So I feel like then if he doesn't put in as much, what happens with him raising Hap or does he rejoin more people or like right. all of this sort of thing? Does he live in the Mountain Kingdom when he's... a untethered and like be with his mother a little bit more like does yeah, he visit fair. his mother for a year in his travels there's there's a bunch of things that like i don't know it could change a lot but 
that's a lot of speculation. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I also wish he would get that closure because I think that's really important. And to realize that his mother did love him. Right. He does later, but right. it's, a, it's a lot later. <laughs> um, but also, that makes me feel sad for Patience because I feel like his relationship with Patience would have suffered. Yeah, probably. Because he 100%. has his real mom. And I don't know. Not that adoptive parents can't be real parents, but like she did supposedly she made chivalry leave because or he left the throne because of her because she was upset that he had a child and she couldn't bear children. Yeah. So like I could see how that would put up a wall (laughs) if he knew his mother more. I don't know. Definitely. But I do. I do also wish he could have that. So that ends our assassin's quest and first trilogy stuff in general. Um, yeah. I do have a question for you Mm -hmm. about, I guess I don't know if it's appropriate to ask it now. I do have a couple other questions too about uh, general stuff, but I was going to ask questions about this book or this book specifically. Go for it. Okay. Um, so my first question about this book or my only question, I guess, because we kind of answered the other one that I had is what were your favorite and least favorite chapters? Do you know? I don't know. Of this book? Yeah. In particular? Specifically. Uh, Least favorite is hard because they're probably just out of my memory now. So I won't (laughs) be able to remember the moments. (laughs) My most favorite chapter of of this book might... Mm, it might be the avalanche crossing one. It might be the first Kelsingra one. That's fair. Because it's so filled with like wonder and like, yeah. wow, this is kind of crazy. I don't know. There's a, there's a bunch of good ones, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I can pinpoint exactly one. Okay. Well then can you pinpoint your favorite moment and least favorite moment? And no. Least... Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> favorite moment is probably... I don't know. It's probably the game of tag through at the end here, but that's recency bias. bias. The game of tag through the uh, the stone garden oh, where yeah. they're waking all the stone dragons. I feel like that's recency bias, just because it was within the past month and not that's fair over a year ago or something. <laughs> fair enough. How about you? Um, I actually kept track. Um, oh, nice. So I know Good exactly. For you. Yeah. And you didn't tell me to keep track. I wow. told you I was putting stars on the top of the chapters. Wow. <laughs> to be fair. Um, <laughs> my top rated chapter was chapter 35, which is Kettle Secrets. And that's the chapter oh. where Fitz helps Kettle heal. Yeah. Fitz and the Fool have their little bonding moment, and hope is restored about finishing the dragon. That is a, a generally positive one, yes. Yeah, I that's think a, a lot one. of good there's a lot of breakthroughs with relationships we also learn a lot more um my second favorite is chapter eight tradeford and it's when fitz fails to kill regal um and the reason that i that liked it so good. much that's a really yeah good is because that's where we get a really good in-depth look of what the skill does to a person from fitz's point of view mm-hmm. so like we see the will's manipulation of the skill and what other people go through 
through fits. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really well done and really interesting. Also, he goes all splinter cell and infiltrates yes. a castle and gets really close. <laughs> yes. And it's really interesting. Also, potentially is successful at yeah. <laughs> poisoning Regal in some small way. Um, so those are my absolute favorites. Nice. And then my least favorite <laughs> favorites were 21, which is Confrontations. And that's when Starling betrays Fitz by telling about Nettle's existence mm, to, yeah. or when Fitz finds out that Starling has done that. Is that when he's telling his story to the... Yes, he also Ketch- does relive the trauma in front of Ketrican, which I also don't love. And it's when he and the Fool are fighting, kind of, because the Fool feels betrayed that... Fitz told oh, see, Starling and not a, Fool. I think that's a good chapter. I didn't like it. It made me sad. I was really frustrated. I, I, it's yeah. really well done, but I did not like it. I feel like <laughs> I feel like your rating is like, is he happy? No. Or is this kind of cool in the lore sense? Fitz wasn't happy at the end of almost killing Regal. I, I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, that's my fair. second part. Lore, or yeah. is this cool in that's like, fair, lore that's sense, fair. you know? And the other part <laughs> is... Is he really unhappy and does this make me uncomfortable? Well, if you don't like my rating system, make your own. <laughs> but the other one I didn't like was 38, which is Verity's Bargain. Um, mm, the which body is, swap. Yes, where Verity takes over Fitz's body without accurately telling him what he's going to do. Yeah. So Fitz doesn't really get to. You're very frustrated at that. Yeah. So, it, it really changed my mind about how I see Verity. It made me really upset. So those are my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> and least favorites. And then I guess to step away from the book we just read and make it about the book as a whole, um, or the series as a whole, yes. Do you have any favorite moments from the trilogy as a whole? I have too many to list, really. So I I don't know if any stick out. Mm. Okay. Well, personally, I feel like I really liked in the second book when Burek set aside his own personal morals to help save Fitz. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really touching moment. I also really like when we figure out that Rosemary is a spy for Regal. I think that's a huge thing and it's really, really good. And then I also really like when Regal gets slapped slash punched by Verity <laughs> and talking <laughs> smack about Ketcher. Yes. Yeah. And Fitz pretends like he didn't see it. <laughs> Keep my wife's name out your mouth. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I also like uh, when Fitz is saved by Nosy at the end of the first one. Yeah, that is a Mountain good moment. Kingdom. It's a good moment. Mm-hmm. The whole triumphant wedding thing. Even yeah. if it's kind of tragic in some ways, there's it's a really good moment there. So. Yeah. I guess one last thing. How would you rank the books we've uh, of the trilogy i like the second one the most same i got, went into it saying that then i think the first one and then the third one. Oh my gosh that's exactly what i have <laughs> i i used to think it was second three or two three one but going more in depth i still struggle with the slow beginning of the first one but there is a very there are very slow parts of the third one as well. So right. kind of trade off there. That's fair. I don't know. Not any like particular reason why, but I think the second one is just paced much better than the other two. There's a lot more action, a lot more things happening, a lot more connections and relationships being explored, I think. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, that wraps up this trilogy. We have a couple more things to talk about and questions that I had as well. What are you looking forward to most in Live Ship Traders? Oh, um, I'm really looking forward to the crazy boat. I can't think of his name. Paragon. Paragon. Thank you. The crazy boat. <laughs> Sounds like a, a ride somewhere. <laughs> Probably is. But yeah, I'm really excited about Paragon. I like Paragon as a character. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to deep read Paragon. I'm hoping that doesn't make me dislike him. <laughs> but I think on the whole, Paragon is really sweet and like mostly a good person slash being yeah i'm looking forward to quite a few things i like these books i do i like the serpents not as much as the other characters but more way more than you do i really don't like the serpents (laughs) i like i just like the whole pirate thing i think yeah i'm looking i'm really looking forward to talking about kenneth i love kenneth as a character he's so fascinating yeah uh, especially in terms of like the magic system and things like that. So I really like the arcs of the characters in this next se- series. Yeah. Not that we didn't have good ones in this series, but I think getting to see the perspective of multiple people in multiple areas is definitely yeah. in in my opinion <laughs> this trilogy and the Tawny Man trilogy are Robin Hobb's two best sets in this series. Okay. Those are that's my opinion. I think I think Tawny Man Live Ship Farseer uh I'd have to reread Rain Wild in the last trilogy, but the last trilogy I wasn't super a fan of. So it's almost last trilogy or Rain Wild Chronicles are kind of even for last place for me. Mm. But yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to a lot of the characters yeah. uh, and development in this. But what are you least looking forward to? Mm. For me, it is some of those characters. I am not yeah. looking forward to reading about Malta. I yeah. despise Malta until like the third book with all of my being. She is so <laughs> annoying. Robin Hobb does an amazing job of writing a bratty, spoiled 11-year-old, or however old she is. She's 13, I think. Yeah. Or t- I, almost 13. She's yeah. 12. Ugh. I like Malta in the same way that I like Regal, that I really appreciate oh. the depth of the character and that like yeah. I feel for them as people, but also don't like them. I do not feel for Malta early on. But she develops a lot of depth and goes through an amazing arc, like you said. There there is great transformation there. Yeah. But early on, I just cannot stand. I don't like Kefria either. Yeah, she's got to be my least favorite. No, that's not fair. (laughs) She's my least favorite non-essential character. Okay. I was going to say, like, wow. There there are some pretty bad people. I I don't. I, I, I'm not going to say I dislike Wintro, but he's boring to me in some ways. I love what hap- Wintro. What happens around him is interesting. I just think that he is boring. That's so weird because <laughs> Wintro reminds me the most of Fitz out of all the characters in the next book. Interesting. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear you say you don't like him to me. I, I like Althea, but I think some of what she whines about and thinks she's self-righteous about is totally off base and makes me like okay you're just get over it <laughs> yeah um but she's probably she brash and amber 
and Kenneth are probably my four favorite characters in the next trilogy. What's the name of the of Kenneth's Edda? Edda. I like she's, Edda a yeah, lot. Yeah, she's cool too. I'm really excited to read more so. about her. I also really like Sorkor. Yeah. I think he's a good character. Yeah. I mean, like in general, he's, he's like definitely forgettable. Two-dimensional. But yeah. But I, I like him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know. There, there's uh, really interesting parts about it, especially learning about the new setting mm-hmm. and uh, some of the character arcs. But, you know, some yeah. parts I can take or leave. That's fair. I'm I, not. I feel like this is coming from somebody who hasn't read it in a while. That's fair. So I'll fall in love again with yes. things that I didn't know I enjoyed. Or gain a new appreciation, but yeah. you know there are some things I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> That's fair. I'm also not looking forward to Brashen. I don't necessarily love no. him as a character. I just don't. I like him as a character. I think he's interesting. I think he has a good backstory. I just like. I feel like he's just as bad as Althea in that, like oh, a yeah. lot of his whining and complaining 100%. is like, okay, well you could fix that, and yep. also you're not looking at this the right way. So, oh, 100. percent I'm annoyed by him with that too. Yeah. But like in the same way, I like Althea. I like Brashen too. I don't know. Yeah. It's just that's fair. They're good. Uh, I like who he becomes at the end. I do not like him to begin with. <laughs> and let me see. I I don't even know because like I kind of know the answers to these. The, to this question at least least favorite part that you're anticipating in the next series um Kenneth and Althea yeah I'm not super excited to talk about the I mean who would be but the like right. sexual assault that happens kind of a lot in the next series Kyle and Wintrow yeah I don't love how Kyle treats Wintrow I mean, how Kyle treats anyone, really. Yeah, right. But Kyle and Kefria, Kyle and Althea. <laughs> just Kyle you know. in general, but... Oh, I forgot to say, I do like Ronica as well. She's okay. I I like her. She's a strong person, but she, like... She has the shrewd thing where she, like, favors one child over the other for being what they want them to be, yeah. and I don't know. I don't love it. <laughs> also, least part... Like, one of the parts I'm not looking forward to is Malta and Rain. Malta is so manipulative and like doesn't realize how what she's doing is bad. And then like Rain and his mother like continue the courtship, even though like she's so young because like they kind of have to. And Rain has fallen in love. I don't know. It's weird. I don't love that at all. I think it's yucky. It's weird. I am one of. (laughs) okay. I keep I keep going back to my other questions. Uh, I am looking forward to the. The epigraphs of the book between the... Oh, no, that's in the Rainwild Chronicles. Yes, the best epigraphs no. are in the Rainwild Chronicles. Dang it. That's, I think, why I like that one so much. Yeah, the bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this before, and I yes. just remembered that. <laughs> Anyways, we're, we're going to have some fun with the, with the next trilogy. I'm looking forward to that. So, Did you have any other questions? Yeah. I was going to ask you... What's, I guess this isn't really, it doesn't have anything to do with the podcast or like what the content of our podcast yeah. necessarily, but um, I was going to ask, what is something that you think you learned doing this process so far? Um, How to edit better. 
added <laughs> vocals. Um, it's not really a joke. <laughs> I've uh, I spent a lot of time doing it. Probably, probably five or six hours per episode. Some of that is also is not straight editing, right? But probably about that time. So I spent a lot of time on my computer going over voices and. <laughs> It's maybe not something I loved to learn, but I did learn to pick out ums and ahs and likes in people talking in real life. So I hate it. (laughs) And I I know I have habits as well, but spending a lot of time listening to audio and specifically listening for those ticks to take some of them out or whatever. It's it is annoying in real life if I'm listening to the TV or, you know, listening on the radio or something like that. That's fair. That's Listening fair. to my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say I've learned a lot more about, you know, audio software in general and editing. Yeah. How about you? I think I've learned a little bit more on how to structure my readings mm, and like fair. what to look for when I'm reading. Yeah. And what I need to be thinking about beforehand. I think my notes have gotten a little bit better and more succinct. Yeah. My notes have been eliminated (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) I think, but yeah, so I think that's like a big thing that I have feel more confident in. I also feel like I've learned better techniques of conversing, just like talking about this one thing for like two hours at a time once a week is really good practice for other parts of life. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Probably just that. Nothing as cool as yours. (laughs) I already knew how to make memes. (laughs) Any last questions? There is one more from Instagram that I'll finish with. It's pretty general. So, okay. Um, my last question from myself is what has been your favorite theory so far if you can think of it Mm. I really do like the Ellen Ida were dragons Mm -hmm. I also liked the talk about the pocked man that we had yeah that one was really fun too so I think like the overarching like lore kind of theories were fun for me I think my favorite has got to be that the reason Regal had a seizure is that it's because Fitz was successful oh, yeah. in his poisoning. I think that's the dead really root fun. or whatever it was. Yes. And then also, of course, the Eden L dragon one, just because I really like that idea mm-hmm. and I'm not giving it up. <laughs> <laughs> the last question that we got on Instagram was just asking about us. How we met, what we do, you know, just things in general. And I yeah. figured it would be a good one to end on to stray away from the podcast a little bit. And I know we've had some intros or some about us sections before, but I am Luke. I am in my upper 20s. And I work at a software company doing help with the customers basically not quite like customer success but (laughs) close to it so yeah 
very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Work on a computer, have Zoom meetings, you know, the data huge. input. Um, very, very fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I'm Emma, obviously. Uh, I'm in my mid-20s. And um, I currently don't have a job because we are in the middle of moving to a new country. So yeah. I haven't gotten a job secured in the new country yet. Um, but previously I have worked in the pharmaceutical industry um, in a lab setting. I am not a scientist, <laughs> but I do a lot of data collection and making sure that people stick to FDA regulations, which is pretty boring. Um, <laughs> I'm nobody's favorite at work. <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, our jobs are a little bit different than what we talk about on the podcast. Yes. That's for sure. <laughs> I definitely don't have to talk about any regulations here. Um, <laughs> well, my, my background, as I've said before, isn't really in an academic sense for fantasy. I've read a lot of fantasy in my lifetime. That's pretty much the only genre besides I, I read a lot of old science fiction as well in the past, but that's kind of the genre I stick to. So I have a lot of context for some of the classical stories, although I would like to read more than I have in the past couple of years because this has taken up a lot of time. But yes. <laughs> That's all right. I'm usually read, <laughs> all booked out by the time uh, I'm done with editing a podcast or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have that much academic knowledge of reviewing books or looking at themes, just high school stuff. Because in college, I went for two years for computer engineering. I did not finish that. And that did not have many literature or English classes <laughs> associated with it. So yeah, that's... That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants, following Emma's lead on some of this, learning a lot along the way, and just relying on my knowledge of the books, because I've read them more times than Emma has. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I have a Bachelor's of Science in Literature. Did a lot of research in my undergrad, so that's why, how I got the Bachelor's of Science instead of Bachelor of Arts. Uh, <laughs> so I have a little bit more, I guess, of the academic side, having to argue my point or just talk in general book study format over things, looking for the nitty gritty of things. I think it's probably why I'm a little bit more critical because I like to be critical of things, I guess, yeah, no, I just mean, in general. Yeah, it's like you, a, you went to school to be critical about things. Yes. <laughs> and I like do enjoy it, which makes me sound a little bit rough. But I just think it's I don't know. It's my love language of being, not, I guess not, <laughs> not with real people or like friendships, just like well, with books and with works books. of art. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I like to be critical. <laughs> yeah. So we met uh Close to my hometown after yeah. I had moved back from college and Emma was still in college at the time. We both worked at the same uh, retail store. We met at Gap. The Gap. Our, <laughs> the Gap in our local <laughs> mall. Super, uh, super cute. She asked me out three times and I said no three times because I was out of the country or out of the state or city for two of them. And then the third one, I don't know what I was doing, but I did arrange a date after that. Yes, she see. likes to say that she asked me out four times and I said no, but <laughs> it's 
it's only three before I before <laughs> he a different time. wisened up and said, oh, I should probably let her know I'm interested. Um. <laughs> We've been together over five years and yeah. have been doing this podcast for two and a half of them. Yeah. <laughs> two and a quarter of them. <laughs> yeah. So pretty crazy. I know we started this not that long ago, it feels like. And yet here we are right before the pandemic. Yeah. Literally, like right before it, like <laughs> I think the pandemic thing. had. St- I don't know because I feel like I was working from home when we started. It was February when we released our That's trailer, true. and lockdown was early March. You're right. Yeah, and early March I was still traveling. I think I was in Texas at the time, traveling for work, and I remember sitting in the airports or like a restaurant before we had to fly. And they were saying on the news, like, hey, things are getting locked down. Flights are getting canceled. And we're all looking around at each other like, are we going to get home? <laughs> so, yeah, we we released our first episode maybe like a week after that or something like that. Yeah. So kind of crazy. We've been doing this mostly just through quarantine and pandemic and stuff. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Definitely. Good quarantine project. <laughs> and it never ends. Never. Ten years total, probably. <laughs> so that's a little bit more about us. Hope it was sufficient. Hope it wasn't as... I don't know, I'll look at the metrics and see half of retention drop down at this point when we started talking about ourselves. But, yes. <laughs> but that's okay. Thank you for those who made it all the way through to the end of the our descriptions of ourselves. Yeah. It's been it's been a blast for the past two years. Yeah. And it's exciting to get done with a full three books. I know. It's crazy. It feels like we just started yesterday and yet here we are, two and a half years later. It's been really fun to build this community and to start recognizing names. Yeah, for and sure. I feel like if you have commented more than twice, I probably remember your name or recognize it when it pops back up. And I feel like we're friends, even though <laughs> <laughs> we don't like talk regularly. Um, but just know that like we recognize you, we recognize you guys. And so we you. do feel appreciative that you guys are active in our little community. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like I said uh, earlier on in the episode, we're going to be taking a couple weeks break. But we'll be back with you for chapter one well no prologue of mad ship which is going to be probably a serpent chapter Ugh, it guess. is it is it feels like a play <laughs> but worse it's horrible or not mad ship ship of magic excuse yeah. me mad ship is book two <laughs> so, it's like a play but worse well to be fair i like reading plays okay i don't like reading <laughs> plays which is funny because I, I had to do it a lot in undergrad but i don't like it it's not my favorite and that's probably why i don't like the serpents because that's how i'm introduced to them is basically in play format so that is uh, that is a choice, and in my opinion, not the right one. <laughs> enter Serpent stage left. <laughs> Exit Emma stage right. 